0: Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another segment podcast. This podcast is being powered today by 7IDP. 7IDP is rider-developed mountain bike gear built with protection and function, style, and a design-led approach to the requirements of male and female athletes. Folks, 7IDP is protecting us riders so we can send it safely, and they've got you covered from head to toe. Check them out at 7Protection.com com again, that's sevenprotection.com and see if there is any gear that you need because it's always better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. All right, my special guest today is Miss Ashley Yoder from the UFC Weight Division. Take a listen to her story as she had to deal with tragedy at a young age. And then going from cheerleader to badass UFC fighter. Also, take a listen to how mindset and drilling the skills on the basics is everything. Hope you guys enjoy the show, guys. We'll see you on the other side. Yoo. All right, guys. We are live with Miss Ashley Yoder. What's happening, Ashley?
1: Hi, how are you?
0: Doing good. Thanks for being on the show tonight. And uh, I miss you. I it's, it's good to I miss you, you
1: too. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And sorry. I, I'm glad we made it work. So yeah. even if it had been night at night, I would make it. It's just been busy days.
0: Uh, you are. You're awesome. I know you got a lot of interviews, especially after the, the last fight and the last win, which was a, a dominating performance. Actually, saw the replay this morning cause I wanted to get it fresh in my head for tonight's <laughs> interview. Um, but man, you were just taking her down at will. <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Shout out team quest. That's uh, great. yeah, I, I got my wrestling from the gym. I didn't have wrestling when I started fighting. So, um, it's something I developed over the years, but thank you. I appreciate
0: it. Yeah. You look good in it. And I think, uh, was a Granger had like a big Taekwondo background and, uh, you were just like, yep, we're gonna, we're gonna do that for a little bit. And then I'm, I'm gonna take you down.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take you take you into the spider monkey
0: world. That's basically. right. That's right. So, you know, my podcast is primarily uh, mountain bikers, you know, I've gotten heavily into mountain biking since the whole pandemic started. And, um, Uh, what I find is that mountain biking has a ton of mental aspects to it. You have to be mentally strong and really focused in order to hit a lot of these trails that we're hitting. And I feel like there's a lot of correlation to fighting or at least in MMA. And I know you being my own personal coach and fitness instructor, that um i always see a lot of parallel when i'm going down the mountain and i'm always thinking about what you would do or what you would say or if i was wimping out <laughs> how, how you push talk, me?
1: T- talking crazy like <laughs> is that all you got no <laughs> exactly. you're definitely one of the hardest workers um that i had the pleasure to train so it's nice to have people that want to work in the room because you have that uh same mentality of being an athlete right um and it's not easy to come into the gym especially when you're not getting paid for it to give it 100% just to go home and not really get any gain, you know, get any gains from it. You get gains, of course, physically, and um, I think it's a very good stress reliever, but it's a different animal when you have to come into a gym and it's not your job, you know, so.
0: Yeah, no, and you always make the environment challenging. You switch it up. Um, it's highly energetic and, and you make it really fun. So, I mean, it's it's like the mountain biking world. You're working out, but you don't feel like you really are because because you're having fun. But I mean, there are those moments when you know, you're working out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely try to make it as much fun, because it is a lot of time on the bag. So um, it's a it's a tough class for anyone. But uh, yeah, I try to I try to put a little bit of effort into
0: it. Yeah, it, it shows it's really enjoyable. For anybody out there who's watching live, or if you're listening to this via the podcast, if you get a chance, and if you're in the Murrieta Temecula area, pop on in to see Ashley Spider Monkey Yoda at the gym at Dan Henderson's Fitness Center, you will not be disappointed in the workout. (laughs) Um, Ashley, let's, uh, you know, I definitely want to cover more of that, but let's go back to the beginning because a lot of the folks coming from the mountain bike world may not be savvy to who you are. Um, They probably know UFC, and I'm sure they know MMA, all that. But who is Ashley Yoder, and how did this whole thing get started? Because I guess I could plant the seed that, when I look back and see pictures of you from when it started, I see like pictures of this bubbly, cheerful, pretty <sighs> cheerleader, and then you look into some highlights today and you see this badass fighter. <laughs> so, so, so if you could, if you wouldn't mind taking us back to where it all started,
1: yeah, of course. You know, uh, growing up, uh, it was just me and my brother, and definitely we were just like I I had the spider monkey inside me. I just didn't know what it was until. Well, I got older, but I mean, I would climb on random parents' heads, like things that <laughs> children should not ever do. And you know, my mom never really like shut it down. She just be like, "You're happy, you know? They're just you're just really happy." So I had a lot of a lot of energy uh, growing up. But me and my brother, we got into, um, you know. Uh, He was a wrestler. So he would come home and he'd be like, look at this move. It's a full Nelson. And like my face would be in the carpet. Like, (laughs) so, you know, I'd always have to like kind of hold my own with my brother growing up ever since, you know, since I can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that's part of who I am. And I think what's gotten me as far as I have is uh, being able to have that like brotherly tough love. So is he,
0: is he your younger brother or older brother No
1: he's older 3 years older yeah okay. so he we're very uh, much i mean we spent every day of every hour together so um mm. our parents were uh were split up so we spent half the time, most of the time with my mom but okay. we were in a car a lot of the time going back and forth uh from my dad's to my mom. so
0: and you grew up in Indiana like were you literally on a farm is that mm-hmm. No yeah, yeah you were
1: Yeah. So my, I was born in Indianapolis. My parents got divorced. Of course I moved when my parents got divorced when I was three, my grandfather was in a car accident or a semi accident actually. And someone had to take care of him. So we moved Southern Indiana to 188 acres on a farm. Um, It was called Brentama farms. It was my Mm -hmm. mom and her sister's name put together. Uh, My grandfather had it for years and years and years. So we had 11 horses, we had all these four-wheeler trails. We were just super country. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. At the time, you know, growing up, you you really don't understand how awesome it is. Um, And then, you know, now I'm so grateful for being able to grow up in that kind of environment instead of being on video games all the time, or, you know, just not, you know, know, it's a different life now for these kids. So um, we were very country. No TV's really like just horseback riding, paintballs and all those things. So
0: how cool. You were literally the, you know, go out the door, mom locks the front door, play <laughs> all day, and then come in at yeah. dinner time type of thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow.
0: Wow. A lot of kids nowadays, you know, they it's so scary to go outside if you're in the city, you know, for XYZ reasons. So yeah. How cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different, yeah. I'm very grateful. At the time I was like, all my friends live in town and I was so sad because like they'd be like, we can't invite you over. You live 15 minutes away. Like I lived out in the middle of nowhere. So all the uh, city kids would always hang out. And I only got to go like on the weekends when it was like a trip in town, you know, so. Mm. um, But, you know, growing up now, I'm very grateful to be able to have those experiences and be an outdoorsy type uh, child. So.
0: Yeah. And for those of you who haven't followed or or would like to follow Ashley on Instagram, you can see all the different outdoor activities that she does, and as well as pick up a ton of humor off of her Instagram. (laughs) But that's a whole subject. And I really want to get into that too later, because that is a talent of its own. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, still an Instagram post is super toned no uh so you know growing up uh having an older brother and trying to hang out with the boys because we had four wheelers you know we would uh so I'd always try to be like hanging out with the boys and whatever they're doing and of course I was usually the test dummy for whatever ramp they made or um just anything uh I've been tased I've been I, it's it, it was quite the experience so <laughs> Needless to say, I got my my skin was tough when I was younger. So um, you know, my 18th birthday was a traditional birthday. We we're gonna have a birthday party. It was in the fall, uh, mm-hmm. so we kind of have like a haunted house type theme, and we were gonna dress up uh, in characters and then have like a just a party at my house of 180 acres. So. Wow. Um, Uh, Yeah, my brother ended up leaving the house to take a ride on a motorcycle and, you know, he never came home. I was actually Mm -hmm. really, and I mean, in itself, just to be sure, it it was a very interesting uh, situation. Uh, I was actually, me and my best friend were the last to speak to my brother. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like, the future was already new. Like it was really weird. So normally we see each other on the country road. We'd like wave at each other. Um, mm-hmm. This time was different. Like he made a point to turn around mm-hmm. and come talk to me and was like, uh, you know, I just want to tell you happy birthday and mom's mm-hmm. in a bad mood. And it was just a very weird, but I'm so grateful for that conversation. Cause that was the last conversation he had. Um, mm-hmm. But even my best friend, that uh, she's been my best friend since third grade, she was like, "That was weird. Like, what is that's weird? Like, you know, you would just wave. I'll see you in a little bit." But he like yeah. made an effort and had conversation. So, um, uh. not to get too sad subject, uh, he was in a car accident, and um, it was a, it was a very uh, traumatic devastation, in our whole family. And mm-hmm. it was just for me as an eighteen year old. It was my birthday, and coming from a small area and you know not knowing what I know now um being just kind of ignorant would be the right word right I didn't know and I was just very like you won't understand no one understands what I'm going through no one's ever been through something like this and I kind of just shut off from the world so yeah it was a a very rough couple years so in the the beginning uh, really really rough for me Um, I didn't want to talk about it. I was not the same Ashley. I was, I was not the bubbly Ashley anymore. I was not the um, social butterfly. I would just kind of close off for a a while. And the only way I think I thought I could get out of that is, you know, um, I ended up at first to rewind a little bit. I wasn't going to go to college. I was just really traumatized. And I just was very sad so you know i didn't want to go to college at first and it was my senior year so i was already accepted into iu and i needed to go but um i was just very on edge but then i kind of had this realization that i didn't want my parents to feel as failures you know they lost one child i didn't want them to feel as though they lost you know they were they didn't do great as parents so Hmm. that's actually what motivated me to go to college
0: that's a lot of pressure, Ashley. So you have your brother, who's like literally you're, you. You guys are tight, hanging out all the time. So you know, almost like your best your best friend there. And then you you got your parents, obviously the event, and then to go back into that, you were, um, you were saying you weren't your bubbly social self. You were a cheerleader, social butterfly, you know, prior to this, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was very much the. I was, I for writing passes for people to get out of class early. Like I loved everybody. I was, you know, I got so many accolades for being like the popular kid, the funny kid, like the class clown. So that was just like me. I I was more into uh, my social life as with my friends before my brother passed than I was actually even school. So the fact Mm. that I even got into a decent university is a blessing.
0: Yeah, IU's no joke. And I could definitely see that uh, bubbly side of Ashley Yoder now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely come back.
0: <sighs> but going back to that time. So this is um, after the accident, uh, you're feeling the pressure to go to IU. You, you felt the responsibility, obviously you felt the loss of your brother, but you felt the responsibility to your parents to, to go to college. So you ended up going to college, you went to IU, and what did you study?
1: Uh, I went just for criminal justice. Um, I wanted to go into law school. Uh, I ended up coming out with two majors, uh, African-American diaspora studies, so a history um, type major, and then criminal justice. And I worked for the senior, uh, my senior year, uh, I worked for the prosecutor. So um, it was a real quick lesson learned that I didn't want to do that (laughs) yeah but you know i i I still wanted to be able to prove i had these you know at the time it was get a degree it doesn't matter what it's in so i just wanted to get to that finish line and not feel like i put all this effort and time and money into school and didn't i didn't come out with anything so um Mm. that was important to me
0: yeah little did you know that that was going to carry on into your into the the new life right setting those goals achieving them working towards something um, and then, if, if I read it right, you do have that degree, but do you have a second degree? I have two
1: degrees. So, uh, African American Diaspora Studies, history, and okay. then. Criminal justice. Criminal
0: is justice. My, yeah. Wow. And tell me, Social what is the African-American diaspora? I, I can't even say that word. Diaspora?
1: Dia, dia, <laughs> diaspora studies? D- oh, my gosh. So basically, it's the transition from slavery to from Africa to America and the history behind it. So um, wow. it was actually a lot of the classes I had to take to get a criminal uh, major. I had to take a lot of black history classes. And so it was actually just an, an extra semester to get another major so.
0: We did it! Wow, yeah. wow, two degrees, two degrees from IU, that's huge. So here you are, you're you're in IU, two degrees in there, and then how does where does is the birth of Ashley Spider Monkey Yoda come in?
1: Um, it was the. The year, so kind of going back onto the sad side, my freshman year, you know, leaving my brother or having my brother gone, I was still Mm -hmm. struggling. I didn't go to a therapist, which I should have. So if you ever lose someone, make sure you seek help. Um, I didn't see a therapist. And then in the middle of my freshman year, I found out my 14-year-old cousin, uh, randomly, uh, completely healthy, found out that she was in a stage four of cancer. And she was 14. Yeah, so uh, it was a lot. So I started drinking, you know, okay. doing the college thing with a, too much too much freedom for where I was mentally, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost failed out my freshman year. So uh, between my freshman and sophomore year, one of my friends was like, I get you don't want to go talk. You don't really want to talk to anyone about what's going on in your life, but you need to get your anger out. So come into this gym. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, it's like a garage, maybe even smaller than anyone's garage, and you can beat the crap out of the bags, and you know how to explain. You can just get the anger out that way. AKA mm. that was my cardio bags. So,
0: oh wow, who is this friend? <laughs> Are you allowed to say? I mean, that, that's that's oh, yeah. really no, important. Her name, her,
1: <laughs> his name's Jonathan. Is the guy that brought me and my friend Alyssa into the gym. So
0: shout um, out to Jonathan. Nicely done. Uh,
1: yeah, and. It's a crazy experience for him, too, because he and a couple years ago was in a car accident and doesn't remember a lot of things that have happened. Mm. So it's it's very it's kind of sad. You know, um, I'm not even sure if he remembers bringing me in at that. You know, he had a really bad car accident. But I mean, he's healthy now and he's living, but he had some trauma where he has um, memory loss. So, mm,
0: man, yeah, man that, crazy. The, the brain is a crazy, powerful thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, so you and Alyssa are in there and yes. you're you're hitting the bags for, is this like the first time you've ever done, you're like cheerleader, social girl. And now all of a sudden you're just, <laughs> are you just sinking not your teeth even into the bag.
1: We weren't hitting a bag that was like, uh, a standing bag. It was like a ground and pound. It was a bag that was on the floor. Uh, we learned, uh, jujitsu without a gi. So it was just like guard position super basic jujitsu with no gi um just kind of mm it was an mma gym so i mean we didn't know what mma was i never i thought you know watching it on tv it was um wwe i thought it was fake you know i didn't know it was like there were real fights in octagon Mm. um at the time so it's super new you know this was 2008
0: oh wow so it was just so the fertita brothers had just Purchased it at around that time or yeah, somewhere yeah, around Yeah, I there.
1: think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the old... I mean, this was before... Now they're, almost every state is taken over with the boxing state uh, sanction. So that's oh. where you have your weight cuts and they have the rules and regulations. The commissions come in and have regulations. Uh, they didn't have that when I started. So oh, I wow. was starting as almost like a reservation type situation as an amateur. So elbows were allowed. Uh, uh, yeah, it was crazy. So um Damn. yeah so I, I started training with him and it kind of kept me focused i would drive uh it was over 45 minutes almost an hour actually an hour probably 15 minutes every weekend instead just, of to, get on, just to train train wow. i'd stay at home train and then it kept me really focused and not partying and I got my grades up. I ended up staying in school, graduating, of course, with two degrees. And then I was introduced to, hey, do you want to go do this competition? You'll be the first girl for this competition. Needless to say, that was my first MMA fight. They didn't say oh my fight,
0: gosh. Oh. but it was a fight. <laughs> they they coded as competition. <laughs> yes, oh which it
1: is, I guess. But yeah, was yeah. it was a it's pretty gnarly and as amateurs you know you i see amateurs now they keep them so protected that like just to know i was doing professional level uh exposure if you will no headgear, uh really small gloves elbows were allowed knees were allowed all these things were allowed that you know you see this now and you'd be like that's not allowed you know so it was um it was kind of crazy yeah so
0: when, when you were working out in this gym and you are learning the MMA, did you know after the first couple of times that this is like kind of like, I guess therapy in a way, but that made you feel better or was there something about it? Cause that's such a different state from where you were as the cheerleader, a social butterfly, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was definitely different. It was the first time I, Mark, you're gonna laugh at me. It was the first time I sweat, sweat. Like I remember walking out of the first practice and my <laughs> shirt was like, dripping wet and i'm like ew like <laughs> I, you know i I never sweat like that you know and cheerleading you're half dressed and dance you're half dressed like swimming you're in the water i never was really a part of a sport that like it was like a lot of plyometrics and you know all these things and i was just i was very sweaty all the time i was like what is going on um no so i actually not until my very first fight and i was kind of shoved into it uh did i know that it was going to be my saving grace for all my built-up anger because you know you get out like punching stuff yeah like i got a little bit i wanted to learn like it was something to kind of get my mind focused on other than being sad i -hmm. was able to use that as my gateway so Mm -hmm. in a way yes it helped me but when i stepped in the cage for the first time and had my first fight they always tell you you'll know if you're meant for it and if you're a flight a fighter so <laughs> i was mm. a fighter it was a very bloody fight and afterwards i mean i was bleeding from everywhere and i was like let's do it again like that was so oh much gosh. fun Wow. So wow. I knew from there that like I wanted to keep learning and keep trying and at the time I had four fights before I knew even what was going on. Like I didn't even know really what I was doing. So I was getting there kind of brawling. It was funny, but
0: wow. <laughs> wow. And that was back in the days when there was like no rules around the amateurs. It was just go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no yeah. at the time there wasn't
0: commission. And then yeah. did you get were there was there payment for these things? A trophy? No. Like it was i
1: haven't i have two trophies so as an amateur you you can't get paid um that's what makes you a professional but uh yeah i got a couple of trophies i still keep we have videos of my my first fight my mom has them very funny very funny Uh, um uh i had my first fight was against i was 20. the girl i fought was 40 and she was like ripped she had short hair, and I had very short hair. But I used like clips, like those uh-huh. little hair breasts to keep my hair up. And I guess one of the things is that you're not supposed to have stuff in your hair because it's like weapons, right? And oh, at the gosh. end of my match, there was like it looked like um, mouse traps all over the cage. Like they had, they're like, <laughs> where did all these come from? Like, and they're like, you cannot have those. I'm like, I d- I didn't even know I was fighting the cage, yeah. sir. Like.
0: So, um, I thought this yeah. was a contest. They didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, so, Ashley, yeah. that's crazy.
1: It was like yeah. fighting for your life, but it gave me this, um, it gave me this rush, this release of endorphins that were built up in a way that I can't even explain how they got released, but it was mm. like my saving grace. It was, it was, it was not pretty, but it made me want to, to learn more. It made me want to do it more. And I was just that much more in love with learning. So wow, I you were, learned
0: you were hooked on it. What, <laughs> yeah. what, At what point take us through the point where you realized this was going to be a, like an all out brawl where you, when you pulled up, when you walked out or at what point? Cause,
1: uh, after I, I, so in the first, when I get step in the cage in my first fight, I turn around, they shut the door and I looked at my coaches and I said, I don't think I want to do this. Oh, I changed damn. my mind. And they're oh, like, no. do like turn around. So on the video, you can see me tell them, like you, you can't hear me talk, but you can see me say something. That's what I'm saying. And they're like, turn around. And I was like, oh, gosh. But, and I will tell you, I've never been in a street fight until my first MMA fight, which was basically oh. a street fight that people oh, got to God. watch, right? Right. Um, but she hit me first. And then it was like, that was when I was like, Holy crap that hurt. I have to hear her back. So, that's I and then that was kind of the thing uh for a little while. I had to get hit first for me to be actually engaged in a fight with someone. It was not I never sparred before any of my fights, so I didn't know what sparring was. I didn't know what takedowns were. I would just mm. bum rush people. So, it was it was very unintelligent and unsafe, but it got me. If I knew what I knew now, I probably would have never got into it. You know what I mean? So,
0: wow. Yeah, it was well, Wow. that That is crazy. We got uh, one of the guests here in the audience is asking this question real quick, Ashley. It says, hey, what's up, guys? Do you ever get tunnel vision during a fight? Ooh, that's a good question. Men- 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 mentally, do you get tunnel vision?
1: Tunnel vision as in, like, super focused uh, or as in, like, you just kind of lose sight and you're only focused on, like, nothing. Yeah. Because I get see tunnel vi- Tunnel vision is for me is, I think... You're focused on the fight. Everything else around you is not relevant at the time, right? You're focused on what you need to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely a sense of that. It's I we like to refer to as just being present, Mm -hmm. Um, being present, seeing everything that comes. Um, But I also, you know, very aware of what my coaches are saying to me, so I can react when they see stuff that I don't see. So Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, that's almost like a meditative state, but you're just letting the coaches in. But all the lights, all the noise, the crowd. All that stuff yeah. just kind of goes away.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Very, very interesting. So so that is what planted the seed for Ashley Spider Monkey. And then where does the name Spider Monkey come from?
1: Well, fast forward, I moved to California after I graduated. A month after I graduated college, I just packed. No one believed me. I was like, I want to learn how to fight for real. So I literally packed. I had a trailblazer at the time. My car fulled. My cousin lived in L.A., but I didn't know anybody in Temecula except for one of the guys I went to college with. Uh, he wrestled at IU, and he got into the UFC and was like, there's a bunch of girls out here. Come to Team Quest. Mm-hmm. Got all my stuff in the car and just drove all the way to the West Coast without knowing anything. Uh, lived in a fighter house and uh, oh started training God. at Team Quest. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Shout out to Team Quest. Yeah. That's my that's my home for life. So uh yeah, I got the name Spider Monkey after training at Team Quest. Um, I would be like Dan's uh, warm-up rounds. So, like, anytime he had to do jiu-jitsu and warm-up, I could go as fast as I wanted. And he would be, you know, he didn't have to worry about the guys with extra weight and muscle to, like, kind of move him around. So, mm-hmm. I was like his warm-up round. So, he'd always say, you're like a spider monkey. You're just like, like, he was the first person to really call me the spider monkey. Um, it's Duck after my first fight, though, I kind of jumped on the girl's head. So, yeah, I started with Dan, <laughs> and then my first pro fight, I, like, jumped on the girl's head. So then the world <laughs> kind of started recognizing that my jiu-jitsu style is very scramble-like, very monkey-like. I have long arms, you know. I'm all mm-hmm. over the place. So that's kind of where uh, the name comes from.
0: Gotcha. That's a very appropriate name. I mean, just <laughs> looking at this last fight, there was so much acrobatic jiu-jitsu going on that – um even announcers were like, hey, it's a it's a flip into an acrobatic. I think it's an arm bar. Wait, there's a double triangle going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was really good. So okay, so you're you're moving to California now. And how old are you at the time? You just packed up and took off.
1: Uh, I just graduated college. So I was twenty two, twenty-three, almost twenty-three probably. Wow.
0: Was there any stigmas when you were in college that you had to overcome or stereotypes as a fighter, as a female fighter that you had to overcome? You're, you're studying, you're in your classes, and I'm sure you'd come into class kind of banged up sometimes, but was there anything that you had to overcome there socially?
1: No, uh, no one really knew I was a fighter except for my friends. It, not that we like, it wasn't a big thing, so we didn't talk about it. It was kind of like my hobby on the weekend. Uh, wow. So I had two jobs. I was training. And fighting when I could. I only, like I said, I only had four fights before I moved to California. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, didn't really have to overcome any obstacles in the social scene with getting. Uh, I mean, I would have black eyes all the time, and people were like, "Oh, where'd you get that from?" But yeah, it was never. Um, I never really talked about it that much. So,
0: wow, kind of like a yeah. secret fighter in the. In the closet, I mean, so. my
1: friends would come to my fights 20 people deep, but, like, it wasn't something that, I'm like, oh, hi, I'm Ashley, I'm a fight, you know, I, and to this day, uh, if you come to my classes, you, I'll, you'll never hear me say that, hi, I fight fighting the UFC, my name's Ashley, I'm just, you know, it's just, it doesn't define who I am, it's just what I do, so.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. That is very cool. So, you, you move out to California, you meet um, Hendo. One of the legends you get your name spider monkey and this is you know you want to do this for a living at this point
1: yes yeah absolutely uh i didn't know how i could do it because i wasn't good but i was wanting to try whatever outlets i could so coming to california i had no actual aspirations to be a professional or be Mm -hmm. in the ufc i just wanted to learn how to fight and you know get a job and just kind of get away from home. So and see what I really wanted to do. So at the time I was still, do I go to law school, you know, those things were still in my head. I didn't bank off being a professional fighter at the time when I first moved here.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. And, And what brought you to the to the professional side? At what point did that become a reality?
1: So I had four more amateur fights when I was at Team Quest. Um, The opportunity came up to be on the Ultimate Fighter. They were doing the 115 season for the first time. Um, And so you had to have at least one pro fight. So I turned pro for that, Uh, just to try out for the show. Um, I turned pro and, you know, I won my first pro fight. And then um, I didn't make the show. So they kept some other girls it was like a little bit different for the first 115 crowd they kind of took girls that were already established because they were building a division at that point you know as a brand new division that they needed girls that had experience and i had one pro fight so um there you know it was very devastating to me it was a very it was a huge setback and i was kind of like well what now like i don't that opportunity is probably never going to come again you know it's not often that one girls get the opportunity to be on tough and two a second chance, you know, a second chance to be on the ultimate fighter. So, um, I just went back and I was already pro. So might as well make some money, um, mm-hmm. and started taking some fights, uh, actively competing in jujitsu with a gi. So I started doing more competitions. Um, and then the opportunity for the second ultimate fighter of 115s uh, popped up and it's like, here we go again. This might, you know, it was, it was very, um, it wasn't the same as the first season. The first season was all one fifteen girls. This mm-hmm. season, um, season 23 was gonna be half and half. So now your slot to make the show just got cut in half okay. uh, because it was half guys, half girls.
0: Oh man
1: yeah so you have to go through interview process once you get through the interview process they take you you fight and then if you win your fight then you get to make the team so i got through the internet or interview process um i fought i got on the show and from that point on it was kind of just this is what i'm gonna do you know i'm a pro now i made i'm on the show and it was just kind of full force focus on being a fighter at that point
0: Wow, and you had Team Quest as as your is your home, your family. Obviously, Henderson there is is probably a mentor. Um, so you had a great team behind you. And yes. um, for the folks who don't know or have seen that show, Tufts. I mean, what was it like being on that reality show? Was it was it strange, cool, indifferent?
1: It was very strange, very awesome. It was a life. Changing experience. I made friends that are some of my best friends to this day. Uh, but you don't have any access to the outside world for seven weeks. No phones, no TV, no books, nothing for seven weeks. All you have is eat, sleep with your opponents and your teammates and get everything recorded from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep so um it was a very stressful uh nerve-wracking kind of situation because now you're competing you don't know who you're fighting Mm -hmm. um you have to make weight on like a day's notice two days notice so you have to watch what you're eating
0: you got to be ready at all times yeah
1: yeah so no tv or anything so you just we pretty much just pranked each other the whole show so It was a lot of fun. I made a lot of really good friends and um, you get a lot of experience of kind of understanding yourself um, without the team aspect, without your coaching. You know, real, I relied so many years on I don't know what's going on, but if you tell me to jump for an armbar, I'm going to jump for an armbar. And now I'm more um, fighter IQ intelligent on the side of, you know, I'm going to look and see, and, you know, I don't I don't have to run like a robot with my coaches in my ear if that makes sense so
0: yeah you just get a little
1: bit more intelligent
0: yeah you can process they must see something that and now i have to look for that opportunity that they're seeing and match it up versus just doing something yeah
1: and then put your faith into people that you don't know so like Mm. you know you're going into a fight and they're telling you what to do and hopefully you're on the same page on what they're talking about because it's not always uh coaches don't always have the same verbiage or you might not you know know a technique that they're talking about so it was all very fast even though it was a long time we were there but um yeah yeah.
0: was that was that hard to put faith in people you don't know i mean you talked about after the accident from your brother that a lot of things kind of shut down um from that was obviously fighting is has been good therapy and you've been great at it you are great at it and has it opened you up more from that time frame or was that tough to do to up
1: tough i see what you did there no uh yeah. <laughs> yeah no i definitely i mean to this day i still have really bad trust issues we're still working on that thing you know uh but yeah i can you have to put you have to put faith in these people because you have nothing else to, i mean there's nothing else you know it's either you have to believe that they want the best for you or you're you're just there's just no other way you know that was kind of like Uh, burn the ships. There's no way out. We have to be able to take their ships home. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of the, you had to put your faith in them. So, um, and we did. Um, And it was a great experience. You know, it was really hard for me mentally to feel like I was worthy to be on the show because mm. I was coming from someone that had no martial arts experience that started MMA as MMA. I didn't start just jujitsu and try MMA. I started MMA. So my MMA, my ground was MMA. My everything I did was a mixture of things. It wasn't anything solely uh, one discipline of a martial art. So I was mm. going against people that were in the Olympics of wrestling had kickboxing Professional careers had, and then came over to martial arts. Had Muay Thai professional careers, and then you know, so it was very hard for me to kind of like say, "Oh, I'm supposed to be here." I just felt like I wasn't meant to be there because I wasn't. I, I didn't have the experience of all these people. So,
0: wow, is is that um, now with what you know now? Is that just a mental thing that you had at the time, or is that yeah. somewhat ring ring true? Because I mean, you having no experience, you're kind of like this beautiful blank canvas that you can create an MMA fighter out of, right? You're not stuck in bad habits or anything like that.
1: And that's um, a great point because that's what gave me fuel. I was like, my body hasn't had the miles wore out on it. You know, Mm -hmm. my uh, brain, I'm an open canvas. There's no bad habits yet because I don't know anything about the sport, really. You know, I had bad habits because I was kind of a brawler, but um, it was... The only thing that really kind of made me like all right i knew i deserved to be here because i want to fight to be here it wasn't like oh your personality got you a bed in the house you had to fight and win that fight to be able to be in the house so it helped with that and it gave me um confidence to kind of compete and give me that feel to be like in the back of my head do i deserve to be here no but in the front of my head we're just gonna fake it till we make it so uh, that's kind of where it was, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's such a good lesson in life. I I feel like so many people come up against that in what they're doing is sometimes you just gotta go with it, take action and fake it until you find your way through it. And that sometimes that just takes failing at something or, or learning that you need to get better at something to finally feel like you belong. Yes. Such a, such a cool thing. So, um, Okay, so you're on tough, and now you are – at what point did you get into the UFC? I mean, obviously so, that's part of the UFC, but
1: – Well, yeah, so technically they tell you once you're on tough, even though you're fighting in the same octagon and you're fighting under the UFC banner, those fights aren't – you're not a UFC contracted fighter. You're fighting to win a contract. But you're not technically, it's kind of like the Dana White Contender Series, how they try to get contracts. But ours was like a seven-week process instead of one night. Um, Wow. Wow. So back in the day when Ultimate Fighter was a thing, a really big thing, and it was really, you know, popular on TV, they kept all the fighters. If you're on the show, you were going to be in the UFC. Our season, they kept the only two winners, the two finalists. So uh, they said, go out, win a fight, and we will bring you back into the UFC. I said, oh, okay. So that's another like door in my face. And I'm like, oh, so like, No one wanted to, like, just give me one fight. They want to lock you into contracts because now you're on Fox and people, you you know, for 12 weeks, the show airs. So people Mm. know your face all over the world. And you're now a commodity to them, you know, your monetary um, gain for them. You know, Mm. so they know they want to lock you into contracts, long term things. And it took uh, six months from the show to get my fight. And I ended up fighting for Invicta. All-female mm-hmm. organization. Awesome. I love Shannon Knapp. She was really very open to being like, hey, anytime a UFC calls, you know, they can have you anytime. And I will make sure that every time you win, you're getting this pay increase. So, oh, um,
0: that's I saw so friends. Cool.
1: Oh, it was amazing. Such an amazing experience. And I got to compete on that show with my best friend that I met on the show. Her name is JJ Aldridge. We actually fought together together um on invicta so as soon as we got off the show we fought um and then i got signed and fought we actually both got signed to the ufc and fought within a week so oh wow yeah it was wow. uh, very a lot so we got to fight our first fight together in the ufc and then the F- ultimate fighter and then you know on invicta together so yeah we've been through a lot together and it was quite the emotional roller coaster but we got through it was a lot of fun
0: uh, you guys will forever be linked through that process. Oh, yeah. That's really cool, Ashley. Um, yeah. I know you have a hard stop here coming up in, in eight minutes. So I wanted to um, offer up anybody in the audience who has questions and they want to ask Ashley um, anything. We, we'd be happy to go ahead and field that. Um, and if you are listening to this on the podcast, um, I just wanted to get into the side of where you are today. So I, I've known you now for, I think, three years, Ashley, something like yes. that. And I've seen you progress as as a friend and as a fan. Um, your fighting style looks a little bit different. You still have the the really strong jujitsu, MMA, you know, but what, what has changed on your side? Something has changed. Something looks different.
1: Um, I, you know, I really got in touch with getting a mental coach it was something you know starting back from when i started fighting uh that confidence that i struggle with i never had parents that were ever like you're not good enough but in my own head because i didn't feel like i had the experience of a lot of people in mma especially the ufc i really struggled with having confidence when i compete so Mm. um i hired a mental coach um and i've been working every day very very hard for the last three months with him He's worked with GSP, Donald Cerrone, Rich Franklin, um, very any, you know, he doesn't treat me any worse or any better. He's like, he's just a fully committed uh, coach that just wanted to help. And um, it's been really great. And, you know, I think it's just the, Break the surface as a new Ashley. I feel that my next fight's gonna even be so much better than this fight, just because you know, coming off two losses, you you kind of play overprotective, over um on your performance. But I really feel like he's given me the tools to kind of find myself and build that confidence in myself. So,
0: mm, that is awesome. That is wonderful. What you know, with uh, with mountain biking, a lot of times I find that it's a very mental sport as well. You know, sometimes if you think uh, today might be the day that I crash, you end up crashing. If you look where you're not wanting to go, you end up going there. Are, are there some <laughs> things that you've learned um, like mental tips or mindset tips that that might be able to help out some somebody in the audience?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely the biggest thing with mental um, awareness is, I mean, if like you said, you don't want to put any negative self-talk in your head it's always gonna happen but you just kind of have to let it flow let it go and focus on something that's positive so uh, one of the things that it's really clicking with me is the repetition space repetition is so important Um, everything from just repeating like my morning routines change so I have the exact same day I know what my day is gonna be like in the morning I planned my day the night before and that's something I never did and those little things kind of ease your mind to kind of focus on other things than being worried about, am I going to be late? Am I going to do this? Um, Mm. And that, you know, those little things get you on board with being more self-disciplined, right? And then you just build off that. So definitely just, um, getting down uh, an a.m. routine, a p.m. routine, scheduling your block. I mean, I, my hours are blocked out throughout the whole week. And um, I'm just going back and forth. You know, one of the biggest things he'll tell you is you sink to your training. And confidence isn't you don't get confidence by doing anything. You literally just have confidence. You have to it, confidence is just a mental thought like you. It's not like, oh, I did all these things. Now I've gained mental confidence. No, half the people that you think have mental confidence are basically faking it till they make it. So it's a, a wow. kind of a weird concept to even think, right? But it's it's true. And you know, is if you keep telling yourself the right things and doing all the right things, that I'm doing all the things to be great. I'm putting the work in. I'm doing all these things. Then that's gonna be the thought, you know. So um, to be on the like the more vague side, but it's a
0: it's a lot.
1: And I'm still working, but we scratched the surface, and I'm really excited about it, so
0: you could definitely see it and then especially in the walkout, when you walked out, it was like, "Oh, this is not going to be good for the other person <laughs> and and i I love what the coach is saying. I mean really, it sounds like you know the confidence is already within us, we just need to tap into it, believe yeah. it, and set ourselves up to a I guess, achieve it by, you know, taking out all the things that are variables and making it an organized day, you're less likely to think about those things, and have more time to, you know, really work on your discipline, your confidence.
1: Yes, and drilling skill sets that you work in, and it goes across the board, it's not just athletes, it's in your work environment, and you you know, the, the skills come from drills, and then you have your skill set, right? So, same idea with anybody in a work environment that wants to be a network person, that wants to do anything in life. All these things translate as the person you want to be. You know, who is the person you want to be? What's your principles in life? So, um, it's an amazing. He's amazing. His name's Brian Kane. Um, he has a program for athletes. He has a program for teams, mm. um, and it's just a very. I. I. When I originally bought it, it was a ninety day pro or a thirty day program. Um, and then I started picking up and working with him, but anybody can go do the program. It's $200. It's a book that you can have for your life. I've been through Mm. it now. I'm going on my ending my third time through it. So.
0: Wow. What's his name again, Ashley?
1: Uh, Brankin.
0: Okay. And we, is he local here or is that somebody? I think
1: he's, he's through, he lives in Arizona. So we get on uh zoom calls all the time and talk and reflect and work on things that way and sends me mental imagery audios visuals all these tools and practices that i can do on myself Hmm. uh he's teaching me these things so
0: wow that's huge i think that could be huge like you said for a broad population and then specifically in the mountain biking world you know that could really help out a lot of the athletes here on that side um i know you got to go here in a in a, in a minute or two um Since this is a mountain bike show, I do have to ask you about the mountain bike. So what was the last mountain bike you rode? Because I know uh, living out here, Miriam, you've been (laughs) on. Go ahead.
1: No, I I rode on one. Actually, I have no idea. It was a really nice one. But it was um, uh, we were at Mark Mark McGrath's house, the dirt bike rider. Mm -hmm. uh, And he let me. He was like, oh, this one's just like a $10,000 bike. That's more expensive than my car. And I had, like, a button, that but the seat moved up and down. It was, like, the Mercedes of bikes. And I was hooked at that point. So, yeah, I got to get into looking and buying one. But, uh, yeah, mountain biking is a whole nother animal. And you guys are beasts for doing that. So...
0: Uh, I got to get you out on the trail with me, get you out on, on some footage. Are you allowed to do something like mountain biking on your contracts? I know it could be a little dangerous at times, but
1: I can do whatever I want, but you know, I'm a little bit more um, aware of not getting hurt. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, before we let you go, um, I really appreciate your time. It's great to see you, my friend. I love the information you had on mindset and thank you for sharing your journey um, being vulnerable about sharing about your brother and opening back up and teaching us all where Ashley Spider Monkey came from. This is awesome. Uh, Ashley, tell the folks out there where they can find you on social media.
1: But mostly on Instagram because I like to laugh. So Spider Monkey Yoda Instagram, my Twitter and my Facebook pro page are Ashley Yoda MMA. Um, and yeah, I, I just like to get on there, make people laugh. That's my side hobby. So maybe I could be a comic one day.
0: Yeah. What and what is the future hold for Ashley? Where where what are your goals now?
1: Man, we're just climbing these rankings. I'm trying to get into, you know, the contendership of being um full potential of what I'm bringing. So, uh yeah, just focus on each day, each fight, just trying to get better and better and rise right to the top.
0: I love it. I love it. Ashley Spider Monkey everybody. Tell everybody I said hi in the gym there, Ashley.
1: I will. Have a good night.
0: Thanks for jumping on. Bye. Bye. Thanks again, you guys, for joining me on this episode of the segment with Ashley, Spider Monkey Yoda. As we head into the Thanksgiving week, I hope you guys are sending it safely. And just wanted to say I'm grateful to all of you for listening to the podcast. And as always, guys, remember to bet on yourself because all of that hard work will always pay off. And again, special thank you to 7IDP for powering this episode of the segment, 7IDP Mountain Bike Protection, when you need it. See you guys on the next one.